0: Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford, Woking, and Aldershot in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. Well, hello everybody. This is a very special Sunday message uh, for me for reasons that I'll explain in a moment. It's one that I have anticipated for many months. Over the years, I've had countless opportunities to preach to this church, to Emmaus Road Church, obviously mostly live, but increasingly uh, online like this as well. But this is a first, because it is my last preach before Sammy and I start the first sabbatical that we have taken in 25 years, actually more than 25 years of Christian ministry. And uh, so we're gonna be off uh, from a couple of days time, from September right the way through to December with the blessing of the elders of this church, the full support of our uh, board of trustees. And in this time, we're gonna be seeking to rest to be spiritually uh, renewed after a crazy <laughs> quarter century of Christian service. We're not going anywhere. Um, someone said, are you leaving? We're not leaving. We're re- we in fact, we are so excited about everything uh, that is coming ahead. And that's part of the reason we need to take a bit of time now just to uh, recharge. I do want to say we, Sam and I, so deeply appreciate you, our Christian family. We appreciate you uh, supporting us, uh, being interested in what we are going to be doing. And uh, we really would appreciate your prayers as well in this season. And because it's this moment before sabbatical, I hope you'll forgive me if I'm quite personal in this message. Uh, I'm going to apply the scriptures in a way that I hope will be encouraging and challenging to you, but I'm also going to share a little bit about what Sammy and I are going to be up to, because so many of you have been kind enough to uh, ask. So let's turn together to one of the scriptures uh, that really relates most intrinsically with this notion of Sabbath, and sabbatical. This is Leviticus uh, chapter 25, and we're going to start reading at verse 1. The Lord said to Moses at Mount Sinai, speak to the Israelites and say to them, when you enter the land, I am going to give you. The land itself must observe a Sabbath to the Lord. For six years sow your fields, and for six years prune your vineyards and gather their crops. But in the seventh year, the land is to have a Sabbath rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. Do not sow your fields or prune your vineyards. Do not reap what grows of itself or harvest the grapes of your untended vines. The land is to have a year of rest. The land is to rest every seven years. Sometimes we think Sabbath is just for people, but the Sabbath is for the land. It's for the economy. It's for industry. It's for the whole world. And so uh, God is here commanding. One of the most radical things, I think, in the whole of scripture, right up there with the Ten Commandments or love your enemies, the creator of the universe, is saying to us you must take time off the land must take time off you need to be restful and relaxed and not just one day in seven but also one year in seven and also if we read on in this passage it takes it even further and says and then on the seventh of every seven years so seven times seven that's 49 you're to You're to take a kind of super uh, 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 Sabbath when all debts are to be forgiven, and that's where we get our notion of jubilee. That's why jubilee is the 50th year. It's an ancient, ancient biblical principle. Seven times seven, 49. Deep in the rhythms of humanity and society and the way that we have been designed to live is this call to rest as God rested on the seventh day of creation, looked at everything he would made and said, it is good. And I'm aware that we're talking about this now at the end of August, a season traditionally of holiday and of rest. I hope it's been restful for you. I can almost imagine some of the mums going, it's been the least restful month of my year. Uh, the musician, Stephen Nachmanovich, Writes this about this biblical principle of Sabbath and sabbatical. He says, Perhaps the most radical socio political invention of the past 4,000 years, so this is big, was the Sabbath. The practice of the Sabbath recognizes that we need space and time preserved from the rushing and the pressures of everyday life, reserved for going inside ourselves for rest review and revelation rest review and revelation sabbath and sabbaticals are not just a nice bit of me time to recharge the old batteries before returning to the daily grind sabbath and sabbatical is about refusing to be driven by production and consumption and the bottom line sabbath and sabbatical is about refusing to be defined by what we do for a job you know that thing especially here in surrey you know what do you do is the first question we often ask choosing instead to rest as god himself rested on that seventh day in order to celebrate and enjoy the work of his hands and the work of our hands. Now, obviously 4,000 years ago in an agrarian culture, that Sabbath principle meant leaving the fields to go fallow one year in seven. Shock horror, we're now discovering that that's a really, really, really good thing for the land to do, to rest the land, to allow the nutrients to get restored in, in the land. The Creator understood these principles. But for us today in a modern digital, uh, post-industrial society, I guess sabbatical means switching off screens. Sammy and I are going to be doing that, leaving the office, entering into that place of deep rest. Now, I can imagine, probably most people watching this work and do a job, you may be thinking, well, this is all a very nice principle but it's totally idealistic. I have to put bread on the table. But it's interesting that this biblical principle of sabbatical is increasingly common in our culture today. Do you know that 20% of UK companies now have a career break policy? And a, a further 10% of British companies say they are planning to bring this in. So before long it could be 30% of companies that practice sabbatical. I would strongly encourage those of you who have uh, a particularly responsible job to plan for sabbaticals in your career as it moves forwards. And uh, if you've got a very responsible job, you know you're not being paid for the hours. You're being paid for the weight that you carry. You know that you're on call pretty much all the time. And probably each one of us is a little more in charge of our career plan than we realize. Some of it is about saying, I'm not going to so overextend myself financially that I don't have enough money to spare one year and seven to maybe do something slightly different. And so uh, when you're negotiating a new contract, perhaps to go and work in some management position somewhere, I would encourage you to read the small print and see if that company has a sabbatical principle. And if they do, great, underline it. But if they don't, challenge them on it and say to them, listen, uh, one of my principles as a a Christian is I believe in sabbatical. Would you be prepared after I've worked for you for seven years by the way, I think the moment they hear seven years, I'll think, fantastic, we got you for seven years, brilliant. Uh, But I could actually have a few months off, ideally paid. But if it's unpaid, that's fine. And frankly, if a company isn't willing to do that for you, you probably shouldn't be working for them because they probably value what you do more than who you are without understanding that what you do flows out of who you are. That's your contribution. It's been normal practice for many, many years amongst uh, pastors, ministers, vicars, priests, to take sabbaticals because of scriptures like the one we've just read. And uh, traditionally, it's every seven years because that's what's stipulated in this passage in vineyard churches, Anglican churches, Baptist churches, and so on. And so I'm a little bit ashamed to admit to you that in more than 25 years of full-on Christian ministry, Sammy and I have never taken a sabbatical. And it was actually when we all as a church worked through my friend John Mark Comer's uh, book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, a few years ago, that the Holy Spirit really began to challenge Sammy and me. Firstly, about days off, about taking sabbaths and we we try to do that now we're still not great at it but we're getting much better at we're switching everything off supper time on friday through to supper time on saturday uh find what a day of the week works for you if you've got kids include the kids in that process it will be joyful for you john mark Uh, John Mark's book is brilliant on all of that, but also the Holy Spirit began to challenge us then about sustainable and godly rhythms and that's why we began planning for this sabbatical that's just about to begin and it's time to slow down. I want you to hear me. This sabbatical is not a flash-in-the-pan thing. Uh, There's no crisis. Uh, We've been planning this, as I say, for several years and we've got the full support of the leaders here at Emmaus and in 24-7 prayer. For us, this is just the perfect time to be taking these three months out because both of our boys have now left home. We're empty nesters, it's a change of season. We're finally coming out the other side of this pandemic uh, together which has been exhausting uh, and intensive, to say the least. Uh, We've successfully restructured as a church. Adam Heather is now doing the most brilliant job as the Executive Pastor of Emmaus Road He runs the church day-to-day. Sammy and I oversee things strategically, high-level decisions, but uh, he's going to be able to keep running the church day-to-day. The pastors of the different congregations in Guildford and Woking and Aldershot are just superb, and they're going to keep doing what they're doing. So things are well in position to properly look after you and indeed move forward as a church over these next three months. What's more, Sammy uh, has just finished her training and has qualified as a professional counsellor. And so she's at a natural break. She'll be starting a new uh, business as a counsellor from January. Uh, So um, if you want (laughs) counselling, there's a little commercial. (laughs) Uh, I don't think she'll have spaces for very long. And frankly, Sam and I are just tired, we we, we, we love what we do, we count it the great joy of our lives uh, to serve this church. It's not a job for us, this is community and family, uh, but it's full on and we get tired. People have been asking uh, a little bit how we're going to spend this time these precious three months. And we're gonna take a little bit of holiday time. Uh, We're gonna do a lot of reading. Sammy's gonna take a personal retreat uh, on her own, away from me, who can blame her. Uh, And for me, uh, (laughs) this might be stupid, but anyway, I've decided to do quite an extreme pilgrimage. Uh, There's that lovely scripture, Psalm 84 verse five, that says, I have set my heart on pilgrimage. And the pilgrimage I'm going to undertake, uh it's not the Camino, I've never wanted to do that. You can ask me about that another time. It's um I, I want to do quite an unknown uh pilgrimage. I've wanted to do this for many years, which is from uh the island of Iona in the west coast of the highlands of Scotland to the island of Lindisfarne, the Holy Island uh, in Northumbria, in northeast England. And this is Aidan's Way. Uh, let me just tell you a little bit about it because it's such a cool story. And I think it's important for us as a church, actually. The island of Iona was the center of apostolic and monastic Christianity in the world for at least a century around kind of, you know, 6th, 7th centuries. Uh, outside the Mediterranean basin. So if you're a British Christian, you have to celebrate what happened at Iona, because in, in the whole world something was happening there on the island of Iona that was uh, of global significance back then. And um, there was a monk at uh, Iona who was actually Irish. He traveled to Scotland, as we would call it now, to, to train in, uh, at Iona and uh, his name was Aden. Aidan literally means little fiery one, and as you're about to hear, he was a little fiery one. Now, there'd been a, a big battle in Northumbria, and the new king of Northumbria sent to Iona and said, could you send a missionary to, to evangelize the Northumbrians, the, 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 those people? He said, I don't want the Roman Catholic guys who come in from the south, uh, I want you, the, the authentic British Christianity. So he sent to Iona, not down to Canterbury or wherever. And um, so Iona sent uh, a monk across to Northumbria whose name was Corman. And Corman tried his best and he failed. He returned to Iona and he said, they're too hard-hearted, these dreadful English people. They're not interested in the gospel, forget them. And uh, the the, the legend has it that a little voice chirped up in Iona Abbey there. Brother Conran, did you try loving them? Did you try loving them? And um, it was Aidan. And so everyone turned around, looked at him, said, "Okay, smart ass, you go. So Aidan got sent to try and evangelize the Northumbrians. So we don't know the exact route. He must have walked, but it would have been walking. Uh, from uh, Iona to uh, Northumbria, but I'm gonna have a good guess at it, I'm gonna walk it. It's 330 miles, I'll be, car- I'll be wild camping, so I'm gonna be carrying uh, up to a month's worth of supplies on my back, pray for my knees I'm a bit worried about my left knee I've got a bit of an injury there that's one of the things that could stop this I have to do about 20 I think 3,000 feet of elevation during that time some of it's not on regular paths uh, and we all know what the Scottish weather can be like so it's going to be tough and it's going to be just me and God some people have kindly said We'll come and do some of it with you. But I really sense this needs to be silence and solitude. And so I'm going to be walking this alone. And uh, it'll be time for prayer, time with the Lord. Aidan, of course, arrived uh, at uh, Holy Island 635 AD. He established his center on the island because he liked the way the tide came in and blocked it off from the mainland. Because he wanted a rhythm of prayer. And then a rhythm of engaging with fighting injustice, preaching the gospel and so on. It's this sabbatical mi- mindset, withdrawing uh, unto the Lord and then engaging in his mission. And he established this extraordinary centre on Holy Island. He was amazing. you know. He, he famously walked everywhere. He refused to ride horses because he felt it was a bit ostentatious on one occasion a king gave him his best horse and Aidan said oh thank you very much he rode it out of the castle the very first beggar he met Aidan jumped off the horse gave it to the beggar said god bless you my friend and carried on on foot the king was furious and Aidan said i thought it was a gift i thought it was mine and i was very grateful and therefore because it's mine i chose to give it away he would often we're told redeem slaves he would literally if he had any money he would spend it buying slaves and then he'd just set them free he would just say off you go and so aiden was an extraordinary man of prayer and uh, and of church planting so many of the things that we're passionate about here at emmaus he practiced this rhythm of prayer this monastic community and then this multiplying preaching the gospel, fighting injustice. This is all back in the 7th century. So I'm really excited to undertake this pilgrimage. Uh, I'm a little nervous about it. And uh, really, uh, uh, across the whole three-month sabbatical, Sammy and I have three objectives. And I share these with you because I think if you're thinking about your own rhythms of Sabbath, if you're maybe even planning a sabbatical, these three may be helpful to you. And they go like this. Rest relinquishment and renewal. Rest, relinquishment and renewal. So first of all, rest. That's a bit of a no-brainer. We all at times just need to rest. Sammy and I have been going at things pretty hard uh, for a quarter of a century. By the grace of God, uh, we have raised two sons. We have planted four churches. We have written eight books, we've moved house nine times, we've moved countries twice, we've restarted uh, and uh, uh, stewarded the the Order of the Mustard Seed, we've started and stewarded the 24-7 prayer movement, we've launched and led the Wildfires Festival, we've launched and hosted Lectio 365 devotional, we've led this church, from its earliest days to the growing family that we are today, a church for this region. And along the way, we've had the privilege of speaking to hundreds of thousands of people all around the world. We've married people, we've buried people too. We've managed, for the most part, to maintain good, solid, lifelong friendships. Uh, It's not been easy. But I want you to hear me on this. You will not see a trail of broken relationships behind our ministry. We've fought for friendships. And for most of these 25 years, as you probably will know, we've also been contending with a long-term chronic illness. So everyone's got their own story, that's ours. We're tired, we need to rest. And we are more grateful, I want to say this so clearly, we are more grateful than we can possibly say uh, for all the wonderful uh, things that God has uh, done uh, in this time. It really has been like that scripture, He has done immeasurably more than anything we could have asked or imagined back at the start. But we do sense that we need some time just to rediscover ourselves, to reconnect as a couple, I think I owe it to Sammy to give her my undivided attention for a while. I'm not sure she's had that for a long time. And I think we just want to celebrate what every decent country and Western song celebrates, which is, you know, the three things, faith, the land, and, uh, and family. And, and that's going to be important for us. And so the second thing is relinquishment this is going to be a season of relinquishing ourselves let me explain that there's something quite deep within your ego drive that you have to contend with when you start to think about taking this much time off i know uh, some of you probably say oh, it just sounds like a long holiday i've tried to explain it's not just holiday it's something a bit more spiritual and actually a bit more rigorous than that but Then you start to look into, oh, no one's going to need me. I may miss out on important discussions. If I can be really honest with you, like just switching off screens for three months. On one hand, I can't wait. I mean, we're all sick of emails, social media, all that stuff. But there's this other part of me. I haven't got loads of you know social media followers, but I have probably got hundred thousand or something like that across three platforms. I'm going to lose thousands of followers, and th- there's part of me that thinks, oh no, I don't want to do that. And the part of me thinks, what is that like? Why does that stuff even matter? One day I'm going to die, and then they'll disappear pretty quick. So, there's something about relinquishment, about saying, I'm okay with being anonymous. I'm okay with not being needed. I'm okay with not being in the limelight but being in the twilight that I've had to confront in my own soul. I'm just being very honest with you. It's surprising how much security we all find in the things that we do, in needing to be needed. I'm quite excited about that moment right at the start of my pilgrimage, maybe day three, day four, when I just say to God, okay, God, it's just you and me. What happens now? And I kind of know the answer to that if it was like a day together, because I quite often will spend just a day with the Lord, but days and days. That feels like the real wilderness that I'll be stepping into, and I'm excited for that time of encounter with God. Relinquishment, of course, is also about trusting God for resurrection. It's trusting God that Emmaus Road is his church. It's not mine. It's it's saying, God, this is your vision. It's not my vision. The world's going to continue just fine without me, not just for these three months, but when I finally fall under a bus, killing the Messiah complex, returning to the simple heart of worship. So that's the relinquishment piece. I'm just being honest with you. And then finally, I think this is about renewal. Yes, we need to rest. Yes, there's some stuff we've got to let go of. But we're excited about what God's going to do in us and how he's going to prepare us for the next season during sabbatical. If you've even half been following the, sort of, uh, the news, the Christian news, as it were, over recent months, You'll have seen tragedy after tragedy, Bill Hybels at Willow Creek, Ravi Zacharias, Carl Lentz in New York, if you've watched the Hillsong documentary, if you've listened to those podcasts The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill about Mark Driscoll, it's just shocking. And as I have had to engage with a lot of that, some of these are people I knew, Uh, personally, I've had to ask a lot of soul-searching questions about my own drives, about really being a follower of Jesus, and this is what I am absolutely convinced about, and it's all to do with sabbatical. The number one requirement of Christian leaders is not charisma, and it's not even competence, it is character. It is that calling, first and foremost, to be like Jesus. That's it. Look at who Jesus chose. It wasn't the brightest and the best of his day, but he said to ordinary fishermen, come and be with me, and they changed the world. And so I want to come back to that place. I love it when the Apostle Paul is able just to say in one of his letters, Follow me as I follow Christ. That is what will qualify me to be your leader, that I am a follower of Jesus, maybe even just a little bit further ahead down the road than some of you. And so you say, well, I'm trying to work out how to do this Christianity thing. If I can just be a little bit like Pete, he seems to know how to be like Jesus. It's that, it's my character, it's not, whether I can preach or whether I can you know manage an organization or read an Excel spreadsheet or run an organization well more than anything I'm called to say I am called to listen and I don't always do enough listening like the early apostles my priority when things get busy needs to be prayer and the word not management and organization Jesus says hey you're not actually my servant you're my friend Christian ministry to be honest can be all consuming and one of the reasons for that is that it's just such fun it's such a privilege it's such a joy and you know being alongside people in their happiest and their worst moments is such a privilege But another reason why it's so full on is actually, technically, I don't do a job. I'm not paid to do a job. I'm given some money not to do a job so that my whole time can be freed up to serve the Lord in whatever way that uh, might mean. And uh, that's why we talk about stipends rather than salaries, we talk about vocation. And sometimes it can be hard to put boundaries around that. my nearest and dearest would tell you that, you know, I've often been taking calls late at night, I've often been hard at it first thing in the morning, and there hasn't been a lot of breathing space between those two. And so I want to come back to that place of just being a friend of God. My commitment to you is not to come back with any great new revelation or master plan. I warn you now that my first preach back in January might well be the worst thing you have ever heard. I don't want to set the bar low. I'm going to lay it on the ground and wriggle around. It's going to be terrible. Don't expect me to come down a mountain like, like from, my, from my pilgrimage, like Moses glowing with the Ten Commandments. I, I, I just, I'll probably come back like with my brain like scrambled egg, but just trust me, we'll get there. But my commitment to you is something different. My commitment is to come back a little bit more in love with my Lord, Jesus Christ. And to come back a little bit more in love with my wife, Sammy Craig. And to perhaps, by the grace of God, come back looking and sounding a little bit more like Jesus too. I'd love you, please, just to pray for three things for us over sabbatical. Protection, presence and playfulness. So, protection. Um, We just often find the enemy tries to rob us when we're coming into seasons like this, especially in the area of health. Please pray for protection on us, protection of our sabbatical, actually protection of my physical health as I try and do this quite extreme physical challenge of the pilgrimage. Secondly, presence. We want this to be time in the presence of God. We want to be aware of the presence of God and we want to be more present to one another. And thirdly, playfulness. We we feel like, and a lot of people have actually said to us, this is a time for joy and for fun. And sometimes I've been like, yeah, I remember fun. So (laughs) pray, pray for that as well. But I believe this isn't just about Sammy and me. I think this is an invitation for each one of us to ask what does a sabbath lifestyle actually look like for me? Perhaps this talk is going to catalyze something in you and challenge you to begin Planning for a sabbatical. It might be in years and years' time. Begin saving money now. Begin building into your contract at work or whatever it is. When might you take a sabbatical? I would encourage anyone, whatever industry you're in, to try and think in these terms if you possibly can. But I know it's a privilege. And of course, as we begin to resurface from August... And this year, perhaps more than ever before, we all, as we begin to think about September, know that we don't want to just go back to things as normal. We want to learn from the difficulties and the challenges we've been through over the last year and a half. We, we, we want to resurface different. And I wonder if one of the invitations of the Holy Spirit to you, is not just to get into the craziness of back to school, back to work in September, and get to Christmas just exhausted, but to begin to build sustainable rhythms, weekly days off, away from screens, uh, into your life over the next few months. so I'd like us to finish by praying a beautiful prayer of relinquishment, written by Richard Foster, Those of you who come to our daily prayer meetings will be familiar uh, with this prayer. Those of you who read my book, God on Mute, uh, it features in there, but it's a beautiful prayer. And so I'm going to read it now. And wherever you're watching this, I'd just encourage you, excuse me, just quietly um, just read along. And this is between you and God. You may want to open your hands before the Lord as a sign of relinquishment. So let's pray this together as I finish. Today, O Lord, I yield myself to you. May your will be my delight today. May you have perfect sway in me. May your love be the pattern of my living. I surrender to you my hopes, my dreams, my ambitions. Do with them what you will, when you will, as you will. I place into your loving care my family, my friends, my future, care for them with a care that I can never give. I release into your hands my need to control, my craving for status, my fear of obscurity. Eradicate the evil, purify the good, and establish your kingdom on earth for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. God bless you, and I'll see you in January.